the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. There's a tide turning in this temporary town Winter change cutties blowing dust up off the ground I'm all burnt out on Heartland skies Dreams are swinging Welcome to The Marinade, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 137, and our guest is Charles Wesley Godwin. Charles is a singer and songwriter from West Virginia whose sophomore album, How the Mighty Fall, followed in the critical and commercial steps of his excellent beloved debut, Seneca. Godwin has gone from a relatively unknown songwriter prior to his first record just a few short years ago to filling bigger and bigger rooms and being in the consciousness of more and more listeners. His music comes from a place of perseverance, honesty, and work ethic. He's a damn fine songwriter, and as you will hear in this conversation, an absolute delight of a human. Everyone, it is my great honor to bring you my conversation with Charles Wesley Cott. Hey, how's it going? Hey, man, I'm great. How are you? All right, bud. Thanks. Sorry, cut you off. Hello? Hey. Oh, I got you. Okay, great. You hear me? Yeah. Let me just double check my settings here and whatnot. Make sure we're all good. Yeah, it looks good. Dude, thanks for doing this. I'm really excited to talk to you. Yeah, dude, it's my pleasure. Uh, how you feeling? You just got off the road, if I'm not mistaken, and you got a little bit of break. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I just got home yesterday, and uh, I'll fly out to uh, Milwaukee early Thursday morning. So I've got a couple of days. Man, I heard you uh, on Joe Pugs, the working songwriter. Shout out to Pug, who has been on the show, um, talking about like when you have a, every chance you get, basically getting home. And I just thought it was like the coolest thing, like the commitment that you have to making sure you're home as often as possible. Yeah, yeah, I do my best. Uh, you know, I think even though sometimes it might be, you know, even as little as one day, it adds up over the course of a year into, you know, maybe multiple weeks more at home. And I got two, two toddlers now. So it's just kind of, I'm doing everything I can to keep them from resenting the fact that I'm gone so much. Yeah. Oh, that's gotta be. I mean, I, I can't imagine I don't have kids myself and I'm, I'm never leave the house, but, uh, but like, I think about it even with my dogs, right. And the relationship I have with them and, uh, and how different it is if I'm like when I'm when I have a job where I'm going to work every day versus if I'm I'm working from home and here all the time. Um, that's got to be a hell of a calculation. I like that word resent is such an interesting point, because like if you don't balance it well, you could end up with quite the handful, uh, especially in their teenage years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've seen 
throughout my life, you know, certain you know, children of musicians that, um, you know, sometimes it doesn't always go so well. And so I'm, I'm just doing my best to try to give like the most normal atmosphere that I can. Hmm. And then, you know, that way, at least I'll try my best, but, uh, you know, and there's, there's good, there's like scenarios where like kids of musicians just turn out totally fine, functional. And, and then there's the other, the other end of things where, you know, I've seen there's some of the worst case scenarios. So I'm just doing my best to try to make it as much of a normal upbringing as possible. Cause it is a, it's an odd thing for a parent to do for a living. It is. And it's also, I think, I wonder how much you think about like your star continues to rise and it probably doesn't feel, uh, you know, as, as meteoric from your perspective, having done the work as it does from those of us from the outside looking in, you know, and getting to know your music and, and seeing, you know, how those platforms continue to grow and those crowds continue to grow. Um, I, I do wonder how conscious you are of that, of like, you know, that's a whole nother thing too, is, you know, if whatever level of fame you have now, whatever level of fame you may have in five or 10 years from now, you know, as you continue to make these, these wonderful records, if like how much that calculation comes into play for you when you think about your kids. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's one thing that's sort of just out of my control. You know what I mean? That's, that's something that I can't really have control over. So I, I just try not, not to worry about it. And we do live, we live outside of Morgantown, West Virginia up here. So it's, it's where I was born and raised. Everybody in town, you know, knows me and grown up with so many people. So we're able to have a very normal day to day here in town. Mm. If, uh, if, if I was maybe somewhere else, it might be a little bit different. Uh, but, but here, everybody kind of, it, it's, it's no big deal. So I can go, you know, at the grocery store, somebody might just be like, Hey, what's up, Chuck? And then keep moving. So it doesn't really change the day to day. So I'm hoping that, that it just remains that way. Mm. Okay, let's if we can let's go back then to growing up in West Virginia and the sort of I'm interested, really interested in the the kind of late start you got in music. Um, it's remarkable to me to think about how well you write and how good your songs are and how great your records are. Um, having got kind of a, a later start, relatively speaking, can you talk about that journey and like what led you to to pick up the guitar and start writing yeah i didn't grow up playing music at all the most i ever did i played alto saxophone in middle school in the middle school band um and then when i got to high school i just you know played football and kind of poured myself into that and you know i had aspirations and dreams of getting to play college football and ended up just not being good enough to to do that or to do it at the level that i i dreamed of doing and when that all kind of, when I finally accepted that fact uh, mm. in my you know, early college years, I had a bunch of free time, like all this extra free time that I'd never had before in my life. And I've always hunt, hunted and fished, but but I didn't really have too many other hobbies that I would actually do on the day to day, you know, living in town, going to school or something. I couldn't go hunting and fishing every day while being in college. So I had to like find new hobbies. I like recognized it pretty quick within a couple of months. I was like watching like TV for like hours and evening or something like that. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, this is, I got to find some more things. So I remember watching uh, the Aver brothers, Mumford and Sons and Bob Dylan, I think, but you know, the Avids in particular, when they, I think they did Iron Loving You at the 2011 Grammys. Mm. And I was a, 
I think I was a sophomore in college and watching that, I was like, man, that was, that was amazing. Maybe I should pick up a guitar and that'd be a good, maybe something I can just add into my life and have something productive to, to do. So that's what I did and got my brother's old Jasmine Takimini out of his closet that I think he tried out when he was a teenager for a little bit and just started trying to learn some chords and I wasn't a natural at, at guitar at all. So, but I didn't quit either. So I just kind of kept at it for about a year and then by like, you know, early 2012, I could string some chords together and start playing with a couple of my best friends. One picked up a banjo, one picked up a bass and became this like hobby that we all did together. And the following year in 2013, I went on a study abroad to Estonia and brought my guitar with me. At that point, that's something I would just play some songs every evening. Wasn't writing yet. And I fell into getting my first gig while I was over there. And I played 20 minutes at a fashion show for 150 euro. And when I got paid, I was like, Hey, this is the easiest money. Let's ever go made. money. Yeah. I'd always, I'd had a lawn business uh, growing up ever since I was a, like a young teenager. I'd had, you know, all kinds of yards that I would, I would do. So I would spend my, my summers, like just working, doing yard work and, uh, had, you know, landscaping for people. And, you know, it's great money as a kid. I made more than a lot of my friends, but still it didn't come that easy. I had the 150 yeah. euros, the easiest money I'd ever made in my life. And I loved doing what I was doing. It was fun. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to do this. So when I got, when I got back to, to West Virginia, I still had my senior year left and that the rest of that, my college career, my buddies and I would play bar gigs and we started a bluegrass band and, and we play bar gigs. And then they went off to law school and I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep going and, and do this. So I started writing songs and just sort of started getting bar gigs and trying to just figure out how to do this thing. And I, I didn't want to move to a city. So that mm -hmm. made this difficult because it would be easier. I think it, I think it is an easier path to, if you're not easy is not the right word. It's maybe a more practical path to go to Nashville or to go to Los Angeles or to go to Austin or to go to New York. There's just more opportunities. There's more networking and people to meet. So I, I didn't do that. So I had a very tough road ahead of me with trying to figure this whole thing out and try to get to a world-class level uh, being a late starter and not having necessarily a lot of connections and mentors in the business. So my, that kind of journey began in 2015 and, and it led to uh, eventually me being able to compile Seneca and release that in 2019. And then ever since then, you know, it's just been, you know, steady rolling. Man, I love all of this so much. The One of the things that I'm really, something I have unpacked quite a bit was, so so for me, it was it was baseball, not football, right? That was, that was my thing. That was my passion. What position did you play? I was an outside linebacker. Okay. All right. So you know, for me, for me, it was, it, I was, I was a middle infielder. It was all baseball. That was the thing. And I poured myself into it. There was never any real evidence that I was going to play like division one baseball, but that didn't stop me from thinking I could do it, you know? And there was yeah. like, I didn't even make the ultimately make the cut at the NAIA division two school. I was trying to make the team at, and I still had the delusion of like, 
maybe I'll transfer somewhere else. <laughs> maybe I'll try it like you yeah. know, Fl- Florida or something, you know, as if I, as if that made any sense at all. And I'm interested in like that acceptance thing you mentioned, because when you pull yourself into that dream and, and, you know, the, the Isbel line, right. It's a boy's last dream and a man's first loss. Like yeah. when you pull yourself into it and then it's taken from you, right. You don't go, you go kicking and screaming. Most of us do. Um, how, like, how did you come to that place of acceptance? I feel like that might be really helpful for folks starting out anything. And like, how did you make that or, or that, that decision or that come to that place of acceptance and then sort of move on to the the new thing? Yeah, I, I tried out three times to make the Mountaineer football team. And my, my best chance was the first time that I did it. The first time that I went in and tried out, it, it was tough for me because we weren't, the tryout was no pads. There's no contact. So it's how you looked athletically and that was not something that I was going to like really stand out in, even though, you know, I, I was at my best that first time. And had I made the team, I guarantee I would have ended up, you know, making some plays on special teams at some point, you know, in my life. But, but that was just not, that was not what, you know, was supposed to happen. And I remember going to coach Castile's office and just begging him, let me get the pads on. And, and practice and then you can cut me in two weeks if if, if you're like this isn't gonna work but just give like give me a shot and it didn't happen and I you know I tried out um over the next two years and you know by that third time I just saw the writing on the wall it's like even if I make it I'm not gonna have hardly any eligibility left and you know coaching regime the, the coaching regimes had changed two times by that point and it was just nobody you know it it just wasn't going to happen. I mean, it, it just wasn't, wasn't going to happen. And it's just something that it took the, those three times for me to accept that. Hmm. And um, it was embarrassing because, you know, all my friends, everybody in town that I'd grown up with, everybody knew what I was trying to do. And they knew that <laughs> I was failing at doing it. It was, it was a hard thing. I spent a lot of time training, trying to do that. And uh, it was a humbling experience just, continuing on and showing my face around town and i know that here's the thing too i know people they didn't care it didn't it didn't affect the way that they looked at me but it was in my own head where i i felt like like a nobody because i it didn't work out but that was one of the best best things that ever could have happened to me in my life because it gave i it gave me that like it got rid of that fear of failure because i'd already failed miserably so then going forward when it came time to go all in on music i was ready to go i was ready to go in all the way i wasn't scared to go for it i'd already failed i knew the feeling i was comfortable in it i'd been living in it for for multiple years at that point so when it came time it was 2016 when i really went all in and started traveling and playing anywhere in the country that i could sleeping in my car just just going you know blinders not paying any attention to the bad nights just keep going and that that whole failure experience that I had with the football thing, it gave me it, it gave me a leg up, I think, in the long run with with having that that willingness to just risk it and go for it because um, I was already at the bottom in my eyes. So it's like, who, who cares if I if I fail again? Uh, whatever. I've been living 
I've been living like this for, you know, four years or, you know, three, four years at that point. It is no small thing to, to, and that's a, you know, for folks listening who don't know, that's a big time football program. And so like to, to go in there and, and, and go for it three times to have that kind of perseverance, um, because it could have been just as easy that, I mean, by the time you've been there for a while, there's, there's new young guys coming in, there's scholarship guys, like the chances yeah, are, yeah, the chances was, are dwindling. Right. <laughs> so like, where does that perseverance, like that had to come from somewhere else as well. Like, have you always had that kind of doggedness or like, where do you think that comes from? Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I think it's just something I just got that dog in me. <laughs> My dad's a coal miner. My mom's a school teacher. You know, grandfather is a preacher and a soldier. My other grandfather was a, a farmer and a soldier. And we just got, we, we just got that no quit. I, I don't know how else to say it. I, I I can't really point to why, but um, yeah, that's uh, that's the thing. And the the whole reason I went in on music is the one thing in life is I wasn't a natural at football, and I did I knew that like I, I didn't glide. So the one, what I, when, when I started playing music and especially when I started like singing and, and trying to write, I realized I was a natural. Mm. I was, I was in it for a few months and I, I'd go to open mics and, you know, this is subjective of course, but I was like, oh, I'm better than like all these dudes that have been doing this for 30 years. Like these, these boys aren't even singing in tune. Like I, I just had it. Yeah. So and I loved it, especially once I started writing. I, I just really love what I what I do. So that's why I went all in. It wasn't even like an attention thing. It was just this the recognizing this this first thing in my life that I was actually a natural at. Can you take us to so one of the questions that I, I always put out to our Patreon patrons? Um, if they have questions for the guest that I'm going to interview. And one of our Patreon patrons, Rambler Kane is a young songwriter, very talented young songwriter out of Jacksonville. And he, one of his questions is like, what do you, like what lessons did you learn starting out? Um, or like what, if you were to go back and sort of give your, your early self advice, um, what kind of lessons would you give starting out, uh, when you were, when you finally decided I'm going all in on this thing. The, the best thing that I ever, that I found out, like, as I was, as I was coming up and getting ready to make Seneca was how it takes a lot of work to work the influences that you have out of your voice and find your natural voice. So it, it took years to work out different influences and like to stop trying to sound like Scott Avid or something like that. Mm. And, once I found that that place where when I opened my mouth to saying it is just the way it comes out naturally, I'm not trying to sound like anything or change my accent or anything like that. It's just the way it is. And with me, it just so happens to be like this wild amount of vibrato. And I, you know, this North Central West Virginian accent, which is like almost sounds like it's Irish when when somebody's when I'm singing, but that's how it is naturally. That's how I sound. And you know, love it or hate it. I found a, it's, it's unique, you know, so when somebody listens to me, 
they really they like identify like oh that's cwg it's not like some knockoff of so-and-so or so-and-so so that's like the number one thing like as a young as a young songwriter you know male or female coming up is to work on finding that natural voice when they you know open their mouth up to sing make it 100% yours from the time like the first note and then the second thing is treating writing and i got this from isbel treating treat writing like like a job you got to do it every day even if you're not inspired you got to put time in the notebook or on the computer or wherever you do it keep your voice memos in your notes app like together where you can get to them real quick on your phone and it doesn't matter if you're mowing the mowing the yard driving down the road in the shower on the treadmill whatever you're doing if something pops into your head put it down and don't lose it don't think you're going to remember the melody or the line that just popped in your head and always just always be tinkering on it on a song have something in your head you're working on and then spend time at the notebook every day and if you keep checking in the those days of inspiration will become more and more plenty and you'll be your output's going to get more and more and it takes years to kind of build that build that like you can't just start out you know putting three hours in of quality writing I, I understand that so don't like if somebody's like can only really have 30 minutes of productive time a day when they're starting out like that's fine but just make sure you get like whatever amount it is that you can really lock in and try to just chip away at a song make sure you do that every day that's gold, man. Thank you for that. That's just, that's fucking gold. That's great advice just overall for any work that you're doing. So like, what is it like from a practical standpoint for you? Like right now, it looked like you're in a st your studio, maybe. Are you yeah. getting up in the morning, sitting down to do the work ev every day? Or is it like, how, how, what does that look like schedule wise for you? For me, like I just got off the road yesterday. So this morning I woke up and just relaxed with my kids. And then you know, my wife went off and took them to daycare. And uh, I'm just kind of resting and getting some sleep today. But I have a song that, that's in my head that I'm definitely working on getting. I, I got a title working on getting the first line. So I'm going to have that in my head all day. So And I just finished an album a couple months ago. So I am chilling a little bit, but I'm still working. You know what I mean? But if I'm like... If I'm rested up and I'm home, you know, I would get up 4.30 or 5 to be able to have at least an hour before the kids get up and come down here and write for at least an hour. Um, you know, and young, younger folks start, start now to have the, the, uh, the luxury of just of not having to, you know, work around the toddler schedule and all, but, uh, but I had those days and, and got a lot out of them already. I love hearing that dedication because it comes through in the work. I mean, you know, it's it's rare somebody puts together the back-to-back -back efforts like Seneca and How the Mighty Fall that are that good and, and that close to each other. Um, and that sounds like one of the biggest parts of that. What I'm gathering from you is that you've been doing the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this latest one, it was... Uh, it was really, really challenging because this time around, there's a new element in, in it that I'd never had before. Because after I, you know, I released Seneca, going into How the Mighty Fall, it's the pandemic year. I never really got to do a whole full year of proper touring with Seneca because I got my my team and like the whole professional side of things like after the fact. 
And by the time that all really got rolling, then the pandemic hits. So going in the second one, I had no label anything like nobody was reaching out still and you know and uh you know whatever and uh that's that's surprising to me that's interesting yeah, i don't know yeah it's surprising lost. it's all good but anyways yeah. the second one comes out and then that all started happening immediately and it added this new element of pressure that i never really felt before when i was sitting down at the notebook i had this like this weird thought in my head i'm like oh people like this isn't just about like for me anymore i'm gonna have to like impress somebody with mm. and it, it took me it took me a couple months to like work through that because it was kind of fooling with me for a little bit um and then i got my head in the right place i talked to my father-in-law one night over some drinks we were waiting for they were up when my daughter was about to be born and we were waiting for for that to happen and um he kind of got me in the right space of just back to the basics, you know, worry about what you have control over. And all I had control over was I'm a songwriter and that's what I do. I don't care about any of the other stuff that's out of my control. And once I kind of refocused that, went back to just writing every morning, writing in the van, in the green room, in the hotels, backstage before I was about to go on on an airplane, waiting to get on an airplane anywhere and everywhere that I could, the mower, the shower, and I just got my five minutes, 10 minutes, three hours, you know, one hour, two hours here throughout the entire year and compiled, you know, what I consider to be my best work I've ever done in my life, just out of pure consistency and the like the willingness to put in the time and suffer through like the bad days where you just can't come up with a good line, but screw mm -hmm. it and I'm gonna show up anyways. And that's a disheartening thing sometimes. It, it takes, it, it takes, uh, you, know, you just got to remind yourself, this is what you do, even though you might not be coming up with anything good for a little bit, you'll get out of the funk eventually. Um, so that's kind of like how last year went. That's so interesting, man. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Seneca comes out, there's no touring, there's nothing going on. It's well-received certainly by critics, but you're not out there getting a sense of whether people are connecting to the songs in the same way that you can do now. Now you're going to, now you see the people's reactions but I would imagine that was kind of a, like a, a strange, disorienting feeling releasing that debut record when you did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I never had I had no track record of success. So yeah. I I didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, I didn't know how that was going to go. But once it was released and had the album release show that night and then the next week, I kind of just went back to normal of like playing some breweries and bars and stuff. And then the rooms were full mm. and people were buying like the a little amount of merchandise that I did have. And I knew that next week I was like, Oh, this is going to work out. I'm going to be just fine. That's awesome, man. What a great feeling. Um, what about live from the church? Can you talk about that record and how it came together? It's so beautiful. And um, it's been kind of like, especially I've been, as I've been doing this research, it's been something that I keep going back to. Can you talk about how that came together? Thanks, man. You know, that was just, a we had like an off two weeks at the end of last may and i we, we wanted to go in and do a chris knight song and then wanted to do a zach song too and we just like took a half day booked a studio up in pittsburgh and went up there and knocked those out and i wanted to get videos of some of the how the mighty fall song songs with the full band i didn't have any yet so i was like i need to get like 
some live session videos of us playing something from how the mighty fall. We didn't get a chance to do that in 2020. So we, uh, we did that. And then, you know, my manager was like, why don't we just put it on streaming too, since you made it already. And I was like, all right, let's throw it out there. And and that was it. It was just that, that thing is just like three hours of kind of like, Hey boys, let's meet up here on an off day and, and play a little bit together. And it, you know, it turned out great. So I think yeah. we're going to do a lot more of that from now on. And uh, there'll be a lot more just doing things for fun. It ain't going to be just straight up albums all the mm. time. I do enjoy just kind of going in and having some of those just one-off, you know, fun days at the studio with, you know, with, with albums, I, I take them very seriously. So it's fun to also go in the studio and not, really have so much expectation or weight to it and just be like, y'all want to cover something cool or, you know, try out this, this new song that may, may not be really an album quality one, but you know, give it a go. So there'll be a lot more of that going forward. That's great. How how much can you say about the new album? How, how, com- how comfortable are you talking about the new one? Uh, it's going to be called family ties. And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, that's about it. I just got the artwork last week, so they're kind of getting all that together now. The music, the masters came in like a month and a half ago. So, yeah, it's all all set to go. Awesome. And it was the process. Uh, in like once you got through that, hey, I've got an audience now. Uh, I it's it's messing with sort of my my thought process in terms of my creation creativity. Um once you sat down to make the record, did that feel different? I I had the best time of my life working, making this, this last album. It was really fun. I, uh, yeah, I got all that's that stuff in my head out of the way last February. Mm-hmm. So like rolling into the spring and the summer, the fall and the winter, I was just a free man writing songs that I love, you know, for myself. And I, I wasn't, I didn't let anybody, you know, everybody wanted to hear what I had. There we go. All right. I think we're rolling. I got some kind of storage issue, but I think I fixed it. Sorry about that, man. Okay. So we were, we were talking about the record and then I got distracted by the storage. So I'm not exactly sure where we left off. New album. Yeah. Have you had fun making it? Oh yeah. Dude, it was a blast. Yeah. So book two weeks at Echo Mountain. Uh, it was a beautiful studio in Asheville, North Carolina, and has all the room that I needed for all my guys to be there at the same time. And we could track at the same time live to tape and I could be ISO'd. Mm. Anybody the ISO could be as well. And yeah, we went in, I demoed everything out uh, the week before on a old Tascam 244 to tape all the guys got to listen to it and they hadn't really heard the songs either. Uh, so they all got to listen the week before. And then we went in and had just an amazing two weeks there. Just, uh, it was so much fun. We had a blast. We, uh, had Julian Dreyer there sound engineering us. He did the emotionalism with the Avids. Mm. Uh, yeah, we, we had so much fun. It was, it was like the most fun I ever had recording. That's gotta be a cool feeling. The Avids being, Kind of, you know, one of the sparks for your music career, and then to get to to work with somebody who worked on emotionalism—that's that's got to be quite the thrill. Oh yeah, yeah. I was just I was in heaven, man. I had a blast. Yeah. It uh, it was just a beautiful, beautiful room. It was an old church, had beautiful stained glass in there, 
And there's a number of times throughout the two weeks where I just go out in the main room and just take it in. I couldn't believe that I actually had the ability to, to get to record in a place like that. That's the kind of stuff I'd only dreamed of. Man, that's awesome. Um, I want to be uh, mindful of your time, but I, I have a couple of other questions for you. Um, one of the things that I'm curious about is um, your relationship with running. Um, can you talk about like what that gives for you and and sort of if and how it, it affects you creatively? Yeah, you know, running's always kind of been a little part of my life. My brother, my older brother was a really good distance runner when we were growing up. He like compete at nationals, uh, win states, and just he was he was a an elite distance runner when we were growing up. And as a little brother, a lot of times you just kind of tag along for whatever your older brother's into. So I would run too, but that was not something I was particularly very good at. But I think because I did it as a kid, but I didn't have this pressure on myself to like really I didn't care. You know, I'd do my best, but if I didn't win, I was like, yeah, I'm I'm not really a runner. <laughs> Right. It kind of gave me this like enjoyment of it going into my adult life. I understood the good, like the, the runner's high. And I had, I didn't have like that fear of the discomfort of cardio and distance running that a lot of people just hate running. And to mm -hmm. me, I love it. Yeah. I feel great after it. It's a stress reliever. It gives me a lot of time to work on songs or work things out in my head. And it's a, it's a tool that I have on the road. Uh, that helps me kind of maintain my body because I've been, especially these last two years, I've been gone a lot and it gets real easy to let yourself go. Hmm. Uh, you know, there's, there's alcohol, you know, abundant amount every night. If, if you don't have the self-control and then obviously late night food will ruin you over time. So with running and then especially as of late, a lot more discipline with the late night eating, uh, drinking a lot less, you know, it's, uh, you know, it helps just maintain my body because I, I don't want to let myself go. Hmm. You know, I don't want, I want to be kind of like this part of this, like new age guys that like when we get in, you know, guys getting into their fifties now look like folks used to look in their thirties, you know? So that's a, it's an inspiring thing. And, and I want to try to do that as well. And never really, I don't want to let it go. You know what I mean? So that's just a tool that I have to try to maintain my body. That's great that you don't have like, um, you know, I, I run and I ran competitively in high school. And, uh, one of the things, I mean, it's taken me until my forties to like, let go of that that competitive mentality, you know, yeah, competitive like, running, like you get real burnout and it, it's just this whole mental thing where you don't yeah. have the enjoyment. My brother doesn't enjoy it yeah. anymore. And I just, I lucked out where I got like this and I got to learn about running, but like, didn't, I, I never got like that. I never trained too much or, or that kind of thing. So just like, even in college, I'd, I'd go out and go for runs because it felt good. And I, I know a lot of people, people like you <laughs> like it's, it took them like decades to work yeah. demons out from like competitive running as a kid yeah i'll, I'll look yeah. at my app and it'll be like you just ran a 10 minute and 40 you know second mile and i'm like what no nah, not me <laughs> <laughs> couldn't be me yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man yeah i don't this... put that pressure on myself i bet if i went all out all out i i could probably run i could probably run like a 615 
right now oh. and i'd probably feel like throwing up but that's pretty good you know for just a guy off the street that's real good yeah i i shudder to think what I, what my best would be right now i don't even want to entertain how high of a number that would be at the moment <laughs> yeah the fastest in my life i ran a 554 one time yeah that's cooking is, yeah you know that that but still like that's nothing um compared to what runners do i mean there's a yeah. there was a kid that he was a couple years younger than me that went to my high school and he ran at nc state uh Cody Pelliccioni, he he ran a four minute mile like he's a freshman in college, you know what I mean? Like that's, you know, that's that's it's crazy. It's blazing. My, man. Cousin, my cousin Emily, she ran track for uh, Chapel for UNC, um, and you know she obviously like she set all kinds of state records in West Virginia and stuff. And so yeah, like I've always known like what what the real deal kind of looks like. And my you know my brother was great at the three thousand uh, meters, but uh, yeah, I, I just. Yeah, I just never had that, but I I enjoyed it. Yeah. What uh we, this has been such a pleasure, man. First of all, just thank you so much. Um, it's been I, you know, it's always part of the, the the joy of this this work is that I get to do the research. And so it's just been such a pleasure to listen to your music and kind of like like uh, really immersing myself in it. And you're just a you're a wonderful writer, wonderful singer. You you make great albums, and I'm I'm really excited for the new stuff. Um what are you getting down on? We always end on like the art that has you fired up at the moment. It could be music you're listening to. It could be a TV show you're watching or I don't know, book. Yeah. I've been listening to a lot of Ben Howard lately. Um, and then I'll, Drayton Farley just turned me on to Corey Brandon over the weekend. Uh, and there's song in particular pocket of God. That is just incredible. Yeah. It's so good. I sent it to Zach like after listening to it on Saturday evening. And then I saw that he's he's digging it too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Ben Howard and, and Corey Brandon. Then I also listened to the uh, Noah Kahn record, uh Season of the Six. Um and it that was an incredible incredible album. All right, I'll check hopefully that out. I right. I, hopefully I didn't butcher anybody's name there. Let me just well, make sure I didn't butcher. Shameless self plug. Okay. I don't know how to say his, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, but Noah Kahan, K-A-H-A-N, Kahan. I don't know. All right. I, I, but anyways, his, he's really incredible. I, I listened, he released a new album last fall. They, a lot, like all my band, everybody said was incredible. And I just hadn't had a chance to uh, listen to it yet. And I actually like sat down, listened to the whole thing front to back. A uh, week before last, and was just blown away. I don't, I don't know that name. I have to check him out. Um, shameless self plug, but it's on. This is my show, so I can do whatever I want. I guess. Um, Corey Brandon's been on my show twice, and most recently, oh, yeah. yeah, most recently was like, I don't know, not, it's five six months ago. So I highly recommend that conversation because, like, he had just released when I go, I ghost, or it was fairly new. I guess he hadn't just released yeah. it, but um which I think is his best record in a catalog full of incredible records. I've been like, I remember seeing Corey, you know, many, many years ago, um, in tiny little venues and stuff, like been a big fan for a long time. And so I got to sit down with him a couple of times and, uh, he really opened up about that new record, which was, uh, I think it's a great listen. So shameless yeah. plug. So I've been listening to the past two days, like nonstop. I, 
I, uh, yeah, I can't believe I hadn't heard of him. Music is so weird like that, where yep. you listen to the guy and you're like, this guy is unbelievable. And there's, I don't understand why he's not selling out theaters all over the country. But yeah, I think I'm going to reach out to him and see if we can get him on some shows or something. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. He's a good dude too. Um, man, thank you so much again. This has been such a pleasure. Hopefully my technical, uh, difficulties there doesn't uh break up the conversation too much because this was an absolute delight you gave me more than i could have expected man and i really appreciate you oh dude thanks for having me on and yeah no worries about that just you know cut put the two together as best you can and, we'll you figure know, it out folks are used to, folks are used to my bullshit so it's all good all right get you some rest all right buddy take care thank you Ancient blue ridges are just like big old fences Shelter from the world keeping senseless Charles Wesley Godwin, y'all. Thank you so much, Charles. Thank all of you for listening. CharlesWGodwin.com for all things Charles Wesley Godwin. As you heard, he has a new record on the way, so stay tuned to his website and socials for more information about that exciting development. MarinadePodcast.com for all things The Marinade. That includes written pieces, photography, our online store, and more. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Spoutable, and Twitter. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Tell a friend about the show. These are all free ways to support The Marinade. If you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community, where for just a few bucks a month, $2 a month, y'all, you can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content, like our show Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making The Marinade. Y'all, you can now try a free trial of Patreon to see if you like it. No pressure. Try it for seven days. Set a reminder on your phone in case you want to cancel. Keep going if you dig it. We have a monthly show there called What We're Getting Down On. That's a conversation between me and my great friend, the hilarious and brilliant Peter Haroldson. The most recent episode of that, I talked about Kyla Janae Lacey's work. She was our guest just two episodes ago. And then I gave a little bit of a a behind the scenes into how that conversation came to be. Um, Recently, we got to cover Bonnaroo, y'all. That does not happen for this in-between jobs educator, if not for our patrons. Thank you so much, patrons. We also have our show Inner Child. I don't want to forget that, where I talk to our guests and ask them childlike questions such as favorite food, dream car, TV show, silly stuff like that. It's not quite as heavy as uh, the marinade tends to get, and it's a lot of fun. If you want to support the show financially, but you don't want to commit to the monthly subscription of Patreon, we totally get that. You can Venmo or PayPal us just at the marinade. All the money goes right back into the making of the show. We're just so thankful, y'all, that you listen and spread the word about the marinade. Until next time, Go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.